Hey fam, welcome to the Free Trail Podcast for some special coverage of the Havelina 100 taking place here in Fountain Hills, Arizona. Tomorrow, this legendary race is celebrating its 20th running, and as has been the case for the past few years, it will play host to a battle for golden tickets. Some of the sport's best athletes have traveled here to do battle in the desert. The top two getting automatic entry into next summer's Western States 100. Free Trail will be doing a pre-race and a post-race show to cover the action this weekend. What you're about to hear is a pre-race conversation between myself and my two co-hosts for the weekend, Adam Mary and Abby Hall, two pro athletes and bona fide trail running experts here to share their knowledge and analysis with you all. In this episode, we talk about the history of Havelina, the course and what makes it special, the conditions the athletes will face this weekend, and finish by previewing the fields and who will be competing for those golden tickets. Our coverage of Havelina is done in partnership with Hoka, the great trail brand who sponsors Havelina, Western States, and the entire golden ticket calendar. Make sure you play fantasy with us this weekend where Hoka will be providing full head-to-toe kits for the top predictor. Second and third place will also get a fresh pair of Hoka footwear. So visit fantasy.freetrail.com and pick five deep for your chance to win. As usual, Aravipa and Mountain Outpost will be live streaming the whole race tomorrow. So check out the description here for links to where you can follow the race live all day on Saturday. Abby Hall, Adam Mary, Havelina, let's go. Good morning, Havelina. Is it Friday, Friday, October 26th? I think at this point, we are now roughly 21 hours to go until the start of the 2023 Havelina 100. We are going to be doing our pre-race show here. I am joined by two amazing co-hosts. Good friend, Boulderite, pro runner, father, husband, Mr. Adam Mary. Adam, good morning. Hello, hello. Thanks, Debo. <laughs> of course, Abby Hall, a former Boulderite, now our Arizona <laughs> resident uh, co-host here today. Also great pro runner, champion, ultra runner, Abby Hall. Good morning. Good morning, guys. Good to be with you. This good is a, morning. This is great. And uh, for those who are just listening, I'd encourage you to also check us out on YouTube because we're broadcasting poolside. Smash that like button. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, speaking of which, Ryan would never forgive me if I didn't say, please do subscribe to the channel and smash that like button. Um, anyway, so yeah, today we're going to just be doing a quick preview of tomorrow's race. It's going to start at 6 a.m. local time here, just outside of Phoenix and Fountain Hills, Arizona. Adam and Abby and I are going to provide our commentary and analysis about what you can expect in tomorrow's race. Of course, the good people at Aravipa and Mountain Outpost are going to be doing a full live stream of the entire race tomorrow. So you will be able to watch all the action. And our goal here is to just set the context for that action. So maybe just quickly before we get into it, guys, uh, run a show for our audience. Um, after today's sort of preview show, tomorrow we don't really have anything planned. Again, watch the live stream. Make sure you follow along all day. And then Sunday, Abby, Adam, and I are going to be back here for a post-race recap show. We're going to hope to bring in some of the top performers for a conversation about what happened out on the race course. And we'll summarize the golden ticket chase and, you know, all the storylines that emerge from tomorrow's drama. With all that being said, maybe first let's start with with Havelina and Abby. We'll start with you. You're now the the uh, yeah. Arizona 
resident. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about the race. I have some like historical stuff I want to go through, but maybe just top line first. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I moved to Flagstaff a couple years ago. And so um, my parents actually spend their winters down here in Fountain Hills. So um, Cordis and I have been joining them. And so yeah, last year was our first year doing a good stretch down here. So I actually got to spend a, a good, I've gotten to spend a good amount of time over um, in the park here where, where Havelina is going down. Um, and it's a, it's a really special course and area. Um, so the primary loop that most of the runners will be doing is called the, the Pemberton trail, Pemberton loop. Um, but then on the first loop, you actually do a, like a slightly extended loop with the trail called the Escondido trail. And so, um, actually that first loop, like that little add on there is a little bit more, a little bit more like in and out of washes, a little rockier. And so, you know, I think the tendency, especially as I was like doing research on what people have been training and stuff is to, to think of this as kind of like, you know, like a Bobo trail in Boulder or something okay, where okay. it's like a gra flat, flat, fast gravel path, but it's definitely like a notch or two up from that, I would say. Yeah. So like the first part of each Pemberton loop, um, runners are going up a somewhat rocky incline. Like I would say it's right on the edge of like me being able to ride my gravel bike on it or not. Oh, so okay. for, for a reference yeah. point. So they go up that kind of rockier side and then down a really nice butter like single track that actually last year on a run there, I even found behind it, tucked behind a cactus, a little sweeper. They literally groom half of this thing. <laughs> it's like literally the width of the trail. And yeah. I found this little wide broom that like attaches to like an ATV or something. I was like, I love this, but I don't think the South side of the loop sees that kind of grooming. It's definitely a bit rockier. Um, I bet it's the Aerofipa team that goes out yeah. there. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. Treats it like the Zen garden that yeah. it is. So. Straight up. So each loop has like 1,500 feet of climbing, I think, yeah. which is definitely like definitely a solid amount still. It's yeah. not nothing. Yeah. So you definitely still see runners that are, you know, coming in with like wrecked quads and yeah. things like that because over the course of five loops, that subtle downhill starts to add up, especially when you're just like cranking out miles. It's like a slower, fast race, more yeah. or less. Yeah. yeah, Abby, real quick with your course experience, what do you think are the chances that racers or crew are going to see a javelina tomorrow? Oh, that's a great question. You know, I am not, I feel like they do like a little migration at this point. Like at least like up in Flagstaff, they all start leaving Flagstaff and going down the rim to like Sedona and stuff. I'm not sure about like their little, their patterns here. I'm trying to see one. I love them so <laughs> much. They're so sweet. In the spring, like their babies are out a lot and they're pretty uh, special. I yeah. saw on the internet that a pack of javelina completely destroyed a local golf course. Yes. <laughs> recently Just stampeding through. My parents will get them like going through their trash. Yeah. I guess we like should. Knocking it over. You know, a javelina is sort of like a wild hog of some kind. <laughs> exactly. Right? Yeah. 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 Desert hog. So, yeah. and this race is historic. So I want to come back and talk about the course in a little bit, but I pulled out some fun historical stats here for our audience. The race started in 2003, which means this is the 20th running wow. in a sport as sort of young as ours. 20 years is like That's one amazing. of the older hundred milers out there, especially here in North America. I went up and looked at the 20, or the, sorry, the 2003 finishers. There was 81. This year there's over 800 people in the hundred miler. Wow. And I know they had a huge wait list too. Wow. So they probably could have had 1500 plus Jeez. in just the hundred mile race. They will have 1500 total runners across the hundred miler, the hundred K and the 31 K. And in 2003, Stephanie Errett, female, won overall that year. Wow. 17 hours, 38 minutes. Wow. Men's winner was 18 hours and five minutes. Like I said, 81 total finishers. So just a little historical context there. Now, 
as we were just talking about before we went live, the men's course record is just under 13 hours. Dakota Jones managed to do that last year. The only person to go under 13 hours, 12.58, the women's course record, the great Camille Heron ran 1403, I think in 2021, yeah, two years ago. So anyway, yeah, like I said, about 1,500 runners this year. Abby, Adam, I know you. neither of you have run the race before. Any personal history at the event before we started to go back into the course profile and stuff? Uh, no history for me. I'm looking forward to seeing this party, the Halloween costumes. I hope some of the racers have a good costume. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, last year, Cordis uh, and I and my parents actually volunteered overnight at an yeah. aid station. That was so fun. Um, so we were at the Havelina headquarters aid station all night, just like watching mid-pack and mid-pack to back of the pack runners coming in and just like so inspiring. Super cool. Let's talk about that a little bit more because I think that's one of the reasons why people love this race. And I'm embarrassed to admit this is my first time at Havelina. It's a race I've always wanted to attend. But a lot of people like coming just because of that Halloween vibe. It has almost like a Burning Man element to it. I've heard the Jackass Aid Station, which is on the far side of the course, tomorrow night turns into a little bit of an outdoor disco (laughs) of sorts. I don't know if you want to paint the picture of like the costumes, the Halloween element, things like that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so because it's a looped format, I think it's really cool in that like runners are seeing their crew regularly and the crew's not moving. So the crew is having this actually pretty nice day, like kind of in the tent camp, hanging, catching up with friends. There's food trucks, coffee trucks. Like most people are in great costumes. And a lot of the runners are in costumes too, which I just think is like a real hoot to see. Like like last year we were next to like Dakota and his crew and to see like Dakota coming in so serious, like late in an ultra and have like a cat nose on. is just like the greatest <laughs> thing. Perfect. Like so serious with like whiskers, like chugging his drink or whatever. Like I just love that. So it like adds a fun twist to it to just remember like, hey, we're just all out here. Like running around the desert, being crazy people. And it's a good time. And Uh, I think, you know, that's like super like American ultra too, right? Like, especially after a summer of, you know, serious racing, like UTMB action to like, um, you know, the one thing you always hear about Havelina is like, it's total party. And like, it's like kind of this end of the season, like wherever we've been this season, we'll all get together and have a good time in the desert. Abby texted me yesterday saying, hey, are we doing costumes for the show? And I I had been thinking about this this week. I was thinking like, how funny would it be if just like without context, none of us acknowledged it, but we were all wearing Halloween costumes on the pre-race show. Well, if I would have, I was going to try to dress up as you, man. I couldn't find a pair of orange speed otherwise I would have. Speaking of partying, I have to quickly read a text message I just received from Kim Gaylord. One sec. So... I was just talking to Abby and Adam about this, but 10 years ago, the great Hal Kerner won the Havelina 100. Hal, who is a hero of mine when I came to the sport, absolute icon and legend, two-time Western States champion. Last night in Boulder was Scott Jurek's 50th birthday party. Hal Kerner was there, apparently not on his best behavior, and he's on his way to Arizona now to uh, take part in Havelina again for the fourth time. He's won this race twice, and what Kim Gaylord said was full rager, super fun, and Debo heads up for Hal at Havelina. He did the ultimate by partying and dancing hard all night and is now flying to Arizona to run Havelina. Can't remember when he said he last ran 100, but wow, the ultimate legend way to go and do a race. <laughs> so anyway, shout out to Hal. And then the other reason I wanted to bring this up was 
in 2013 when Hal won the race last 10 years ago, he ran 1456. The course record is now 1258. So I think this is illustrative of the advancement that's taken place in the sport. All-time legend Hal Kerner now two hours slower <laughs> than the fastest time on the course, which was again put together by another person who really looks up to Hal, Dakota Jones, last year. Yeah, I think we all look up to Hal, man. I hope when I'm his age, I can be raging, running 100. It's so epic, dude. <laughs> So yeah, that text is not gossip. It's just free trial fantasy intel, you know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's yeah. important that people know. Yeah, yeah. So probably don't put Hal in your yeah. top five tomorrow. He may, be, you know. he may be battling a little bit of a hangover, but yeah, shout out to Hal. Um, so the other thing that we should talk about is the golden ticket chase. Like we should just acknowledge that here before we kind of go into the fields. Uh, both you guys have competed for golden tickets in the past. Maybe just set that up for the audience. Yeah, golden ticket races, they're no joke, you know? Um, its But it's really exciting. I feel like it brings a certain element to a race because there's like, in every race, every golden ticket race, there's many uh, racers who have the potential, right? And so it brings out this like fierce competitiveness. Certainly early on, I've heard and I've seen right from previous splits, that first loop here is like pretty fast. People yeah. usually go out pretty hard. Yeah, absolutely. Like. I, when I got a ticket, I was not going for it or planning for it. And I think that's also an flex. interesting element here where it's, was that you as well? No, I was like, oh. flex. That's oh, awesome. no, no, I, I don't mean that as a flex, but I think it, it sounds scarier to me to like chase a ticket Yeah. where I'm like, like where that's the goal. But when, when they're like the pressure's off, it feels a little different. Yeah, like, yeah, totally, totally. and so I, I, I feel for like some of the runners where you can see on the ultra sign boards, like few races stacked up, like ticket hunting, like yep. that's, that's definitely like putting yourself out in the line. So like kudos to these runners who are like really going for it in with like an intention. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So four tickets on the line, two for men, two for women. We believe that only Ryan Montgomery has a spot into Western States yep. come next June after his seventh place performance there, automatically getting him back to the start line in June. He will be a factor in tomorrow's race. But other than that, we don't have any people with spots secured at Western States. So that probably portends some pretty interesting racing. And I would guess that basically all the athletes who we'll talk about in a second second are here chiefly to chase that golden ticket coming back to the course i'd love to just like hear what you guys think about it because when you look at the course profile you know that it basically is like an uphill and a downhill on each loop right it's like a very gradual 10 mile climb and a very gradual 10 mile descent so maybe if there's any like sort of comments about how you would think about that psychologically because you would have to sort of really um you know be able to keep a pretty respectable pace on that 10 mile climb and then not burn too hard on the 10 mile descent when you can really open it up. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I feel like there's usually like kind of naturally more gifted climbers and descenders. Right. But with a race like this, like looking back at previous data, like folks run pretty even laps that do well. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know if, if it were me, like I would certainly be trying to like keep it pretty under control on the climb and just trying to recover on the 10 mile descent, like just keeping my heart rate, like really in check, running it really even. Um, but I don't know. I'm sure those like final three laps, you're going to be feeling the descending. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, it's interesting too, because like the, the evenness of pacing, I think is definitely a factor, but then we have like some dynamic variables like temperature mm. that are changing throughout the day where like, you know, it will naturally probably make sense that runners first, maybe second laps are a bit quicker yep. heat of the day. Maybe you're, you're like easing off a little bit. Um, so I think there's some like other interesting factors at play that are so true. Um, that are influencing it. And it is only 7,600 total feet of climbing. So it's not much, but like, I mean, it, it's enough to make it challenging yeah. to not make it like a full on track race. Yep. Yeah. Are there spots where it's like kind of sandy and washed out? Like yeah. you can get here and. Yeah. I would say like more, a little bit more rocky than sandy. Mm. Um, and then like the, the kind of dirt on the descent is like pretty hard packed. So you can get some good footing there, but like you do go in and out of some washes. So sometimes at the bottom of washes, it can be a little sandy. Adam, have you done any analysis on like the evenness of loops and those who've performed well here in the past? Uh, oh gosh, not well enough that I could quote splits, but I, I remember hearing like Dakota and John's yeah. super tight. We're talking like a couple minutes difference on yeah. each of their laps yeah. as they raced last year to really tight finish. I think 1305, 1258. Yeah. Yeah. I believe Riley Brady had super even splits mm -hmm. yep. um, on their third, fourth, and fifth laps last year. And like I believe even within a minute or two of each of each lap. Wow. So um, I can't quote the specific splits, but very metronome. -like. Well, that'll be yes. something that yeah. we can watch out for tomorrow is yeah. who's running most evenly, especially in those middle couple loops. So then Abby, you just talked about the weather and how that is going to be a factor and sort of a changing element throughout the day. We're expecting highs of about 85 degrees tomorrow. How would you think about that as a competitor? I mean, I think cooling strategies are all out, you know, yeah. out, out to play tomorrow. I mean, yeah. it's, it'll be full on, you know, people will be coming in and doing their cooling, testing out some, you know, Western States protocol. And I think that's like what makes this a really fun ticket event yeah. too, is like you do get this flavor of kind of who's good at managing the heat. And yeah. I think that's like, such an exciting part of like previewing next year's Western States field. Um, I mean, I last year, even as a spectator during the day before my, my volunteer shift, it definitely still felt properly hot in the, mm -hmm. the heat of the day. And that wasn't even a historic heat year. Um, so yeah, I am, I am impressed by uh, last year was really impressed seeing runners come in and be managing the splits. They were in what felt still like quite a warm day. Yep. I don't know. I'd be going arm sleeves, doing the evaporative cooling thing, yeah. still keeping electrolytes high coming in um at 85 degrees for me that's still like pretty hot um it'll be interesting so are people going to be wearing like ice bandanas and stuff tomorrow you think i bet yeah i yeah. think so i think so i think a lot of like sometimes too like a, a lot of the arizona runners down here i'm wearing one right now white long sleeve you mm, know yeah. um and we see that sometimes at western states too yep. like just straight up going for keeping that skin covered out of the sun keeping your yourself what, so. That was the other thing I was going to say too. In those hundred miles, how many of them are you not completely exposed to yeah. the sun? Right, like yeah. Well, I've heard there's not a lick of shade out there, right? Of no. course. So yeah, yeah, no shade at all. So, so 85 in the direct sunlight the whole time, it's going to feel warm. Yeah. yeah. Look at hats everywhere. Look at hats everywhere. So that'll be an interesting thing for our viewers and listeners to keep track of tomorrow too. Is just sort of like who's managing the elements the best, who's protecting themselves from the sun. And the heat, because that will obviously make a big difference in the uh, eventual performance. All right, so, well, I guess I also wrote down here the low of the low is 59, so it should be pretty nice in the morning, but then, you know, it's expected to be sort of high 70s around the time we ex expect the leading men and women to finish tomorrow evening. So it'll be 
nice in the morning, hot midday, and then still pretty warm in the, into the evening. And then hopefully the middle and the back of the Packers have a beautiful night out there yes. in the desert. And my hope is to be at Jackass until late into Saturday evening. All right, so let's uh, do some analysis on the field, starting with the women. Maybe I'll just tee you up first here, Abby. A Adam and I were just talking about how it feels like both races are, are pretty wide open. Maybe talk about how you're viewing the, the field as a whole before we go into some of the specific contenders. On the women's field specifically. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I think like we've got some some really solid Javelina veterans, you know, um, Riley Brady coming back here um, from second place last year, third fastest time uh, the women's field scene here. Big returner. Also like a number of people that are coming from races like Black Canyon, Black Canyon experience too, which I think is, is still really applicable here. Um, so you get some of that in the field, but then also we have, you know, like Ragna Debats, world-class like long time ultra running champion across, you know, distances from like CCC to marathon to sob to sky racing, you name it. Um, and so like, I think there's, there's some different names in here that keep the race super interesting. Um, so yeah, like overall, I think, you know, and, and like not to mention like people like Heather Jackson, you mm -hmm. know, returning, um, everyone hungry for a ticket for their own reasons. Um, and I think a number of people that we saw, like, didn't have their best Western States last year and are returning to a race like this to get a ticket with a bit of that. like Riley. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Like with that, that fun chip on their shoulder to like, you know, know what they're capable of and try and put their day together, which I think is always exciting to just see like that, that strong motivating why for people. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. I'm always interested at races like Javelina, like black Canyon. There's usually this kind of like, Oh, like, is this a road runner? Like, Roadrunners race, yeah. Are triathlete going to come mm -hmm. in here and like mop the field? But I still feel like I've run a little bit out here on the course. Like it's, I feel like it's a trail runners race. Yeah, man. yeah. I'm biased, mm -hmm. you know, but I'm super excited to see folks like Heather like put one together. She's so fit, right? But I don't know. No count Riley out. Like they're yeah. super strong too. So I don't know. It's I think the women's race is very interesting. Male race is interesting. Um, but yeah. What do you think? Do you yeah, know? I mean, it is interesting what you just said about like whether this is a road runner's race or a mountain runner's race. Cause like Dakota is a perfect example so his, throughout his entire career. He's been a mountain runner, yep. right? but he's got the course record here. Javelina. Obviously he's got a lot of range. He's got ridiculous talent. He is fast on flatter, fatter, faster stuff, but you know, maybe it's a change in emphasis, a change in focus from when he changes that, specificity of his training he's able to execute on all different types of terrain but it is interesting right yeah. because like pat reagan you would think of as the opposite end of the spectrum so totally. who really crushes it on the faster races who's won here i think three times yes so anyway that's one of the great things about the sport is like there are people that have specialties right yes. and then like on a course like this where might those specialties show themselves as i look at the women's race like I always like to divide things between favorites and then sort of the rest of the field. My feeling is that the winner comes from the th trifecta of Riley, Ragna, or Heather, personally. Same. Not to say there's, Same. you know, there's no possibility of somebody coming uh, from the rest of the really strong group to achieve the victory tomorrow. But that's sort of how I was thinking about it. Yeah. But then there's a lot of other characters in the field that we can tick through here. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I just got to give Riley a shout out, fellow Boulderite. You yeah. know what I mean? Like crushed it last year. Mm -hmm. 
experience at the distance. So yeah, I'm rooting for him. Have you communicated with Riley at all about Western States? Not, no, not really. Not personally. No, no. I wonder how they're feeling about it because obviously coming back here to Havelina where Riley had an amazing run last year. I'm sure their goal is to get back to Western States and redeem a 14th place finish. And actually, it's sort of similar with John Ray, right? Mm-hmm. So if we think yeah. about who's back from last year, yep. John and Riley both finished second. I'm pretty sure they both finished 14th at Western <laughs> States. And I was 14th. And wait, what, what place were you? Oh, I don't you know. You weren't? Okay. Yeah, not I was going to say, I feel like there's a thing with 14th. As I was looking through this, I was like, it's a lucky uh, number. That's crazy, that parody between them. Isn't yeah. that funny? That's yeah, really that is interesting. Yeah, yeah. And John, you know, quiet boulder. We'll talk about him in a sec, but yeah, yeah, I was just looking at like who's been here in the past and performed well here in the past. Both John and Riley have, and then Brett Hornig, who was fourth last year is back again. Heather Jackson, who was fifth last year is back again. Ryan Montgomery, who's been on the podium here is back. But other than that, it feels like a lot of newer characters to Havelina at least. And then a lot of like up and coming people. So like some of the names I wrote down are sort of the people who represent this next generation, people like Shay Aquilano and Tara Dower and things like that. Abby, do you have any color you want to provide on some of the other women? Yeah, absolutely. You know, so yeah, I think we've, we've shouted out Ragna. We've shouted out Riley, um, Shay Aquilano, for those who aren't familiar, came onto my radar this year at Black Canyon, um, where she took a tight sixth, um, for those who remember just within a couple minutes of, um, Eden Nelson and Anna Cassius. Um, and so one thing I loved, um, in kind of looking at Shay's history with, with ultra running is, um, she's returned to Black Canyon three times. The first time, in 2021, she ran 1206, came back in 2022, ran 1018, then came back last year and ran 908. So, you know, love seeing a runner like in such an active place of growth. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't, I don't think we've, we've even seen her ceiling yet. So, um, she's, she's 22. In, yeah. She's 20. Yeah. Of course we haven't seen her ceiling yet. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, she's, um, I believe put in some, some speedy, uh, and heavy training. So, you know, exciting to see an athlete of her caliber, like at such a phase of growth and, yeah. Yeah. And she has run a hundred miles before, which yeah. is cool. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. She's um from Indiana, I believe. Still currently lives. Yeah, recent graduate of Notre Dame, the fighting yeah. Irish. Yeah. The home state of our great friend Mr. Ryan Thrower. So That's right. shout out to Indiana. Yeah. That's right. Ran a sixteen hour hundred at yeah. the Indiana Trail Run hundred yeah. last year. Smoking. Speedy. Smoking. I'm super curious about Tara. Mm-hmm. Um coming off that run rabbit run performance. Tough, man. Tough. So, well, and a, just a huge year in general. Yeah. All right. So I wrote this down. Tara's done 900 milers since yeah. October of 21, it's plus ma- the Colorado Trail. It's major. Gnarly. So, so she's done 900 milers in two years, and yeah. and she seemingly is, you know, getting better and better and better. You know, as it was exemplified in Steamboat Springs a couple of months ago. When Third she, fastest time, yeah, ever. women's time yeah. ever. Crazy. Yeah. It's exciting. I mean, this year she's already done Black Canyon. She did a backyard race in Ohio where she ran 170 miles. She did Hellbender 100. She set the record on the Colorado Trail. She ran Run Rabbit Run, and now she's lining up for Javelina. What a year. She is. Up and to the right, you know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. (laughs) Yeah. She's uh, coached by Carl Meltzer, which I thought was interesting. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's a a cool anecdote. And going back to the Colorado Trail, 500-mile mission this summer. Yeah. And she took down the legendary Betsy Kalmeyer's 20-year-old supported Colorado Trail yeah. FKT. So impressive. Yeah. Tara Dower very much on the ascent here. And yeah, you know, like Run Rabbit, 
is a higher profile North American race. If she was able to win or be on the podium here, I think it'd be really good for her career. And then especially if we looked ahead towards Western States, if she was able to secure a golden ticket, it's sort of like athletes like Tara, it's like, you know, you, you slowly start to make your name for yourself. And then eventually there's a huge exclamation point. And maybe tomorrow is that big exclamation point. And that's sort of happened for both you guys and for me in my career too. Yeah, totally. Heather Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. Talk. Oh man. I mean, just like all the potential, you know what I yeah. mean? Like she's such an amazing athlete. Um, I'm curious, like I was looking at Strava. It's like, man, nothing's on here. You know, it's like run training. At least I couldn't see any, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. so I always have that question mark, right? With people like that. It's like, oh, I wish I could see, I wish I could know, but <laughs> everyone knows she's going to be so fit. Um, I think she had kind of a tough, tough day at States too, right? It's got the same hunger, desire to get back. Um, I'd love to see her like do what she's capable of out here tomorrow. Um, I don't know. I think she could, she could crush. Yeah. And like in typical Heather form, sounds like she just like raced a gravel, big gravel yeah. race last weekend. Like a really, like, I don't know a ton about gravel racing, but like a big, miles. like high profile one yes. too, like part of the unbound yeah. race series or whatever out in Arkansas. Yeah. I think it's so fascinating what she's doing right now. Yes. And it could like totally revolutionize the way people approach the sport and how they train. You've been hitting the bike a lot yeah. recently for yeah. other reasons. Exactly. Maybe we yes. can talk about that. <laughs> Ryan and I were in Tucson last week filming a training day with Heather and I sort of like hung on to her last workout of the training block Love and that. I was completely blown out afterwards but <laughs> we had such a good time hanging out with Heather and her husband Wadi in Tucson and uh she was devastated from the western states mm -hmm. disappointment this year where she DNF'd at Michigan Bluff yeah. and uh I know she's desperate to get back into that race so she's very much here for that golden ticket and if she continues in this direction and we should say too that she is so vociferous in her love for the trail running community yeah. which makes me so happy I love her someone, for that yeah someone who's been a lifelong athlete you know she played ice hockey at the university of princeton wow. back in the day That's she was awesome. a pro triathlete now she's a pro trail runner and a pro gravel racer and she glows about trail running which yeah. just makes me feel like I'm not crazy. We're all not crazy. And like Western States kind of uniquely was what drew her into the sport, if, right? Is mm -hmm. that, that it? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And it was funny because the workout that we did was sort of a carryover from her last big workout that she always did before Ironman Kona, the Ironman World Championship. Are you at liberty to say what it was? Yeah. So we made a video about it. You got to watch <laughs> oh, yeah, it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So it was basically just on the Ironman Hawaii course, there's a hill called Polani Hill. And it's apparently like kind of a crux moment on the run course. Yes. So what she did, and it's only like a minute long climb. So she's got a bunch of hills in her neighborhood there in Tucson that are roughly similar to the Polani. So basically she's just doing like five by one minute hill reps. And then immediately after the fifth goes into a 10 minute tempo. And she oh. says, I mean, cause that was oh. only 10 days out from Havelina. Yeah. And she was saying that, you know, typically in a bigger volume phase, she'll do like six reps into a 40 minute tempo. So imagine that and then do that twice. So five by one minute and then 40 minute tempo, five by one minute, 40 minute tempo. That's what I'm saying. That's some next level shit. You know what I mean? Like that's some triathlete, like yeah. professional that's, shit. That's awesome. That is volume yeah. at intensity. Wow. And she splits time, right? Between Tucson and is it Bend? Bend. Yeah. yeah. So they've been in, in Tucson 
training. So again, and this is sort of something that we can talk about in the men's race too. Like Zach Bitter lives nearby here and Heather lives nearby. It'll be interesting to see if that plays to their advantage. But um, yeah, so just Heather Jackson, sort of the story of the year, I think in a yeah. lot of ways. And yeah. it's now been a full year since she's been a member of the trail running community. And this is sort of like, uh, you know, in five starts, three of them have been hundred milers, including tomorrow, mm. wow. <laughs> you know, Havelina, Western States, and yeah. then Havelina tomorrow. She's only done a couple other 50 Ks <sighs> and uh, Black Canyon. So anyway, Heather Jackson, all-star. I wanted to give a couple more. Well, we should talk about Riley. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, we haven't gone into deep detail. Yeah. Boulderite. Yeah, Boulderite. They won Gorge 100K in the spring. Shout out Gorge. Shout out Gorge. 14th Western States, I guess we did talk about this, but top returning finisher, third fastest time. Yeah. So Riley Brady, a uh, name to look out for. I don't know if you had anything to add, but I guess we did talk about it already. But Yeah, I don't know. I just, um, I think they've been putting in really solid training, like sounds like a, maybe a little higher volume than in, in the past. I'm excited to see how and if that translates for them. Um, yeah. I picked them to win, you know what I mean? So like, that's my horse. <laughs> and I, I think they have like quite an extensive hundred mile history yes. when I was, when I was perusing uh, okay. ultra sign up, like okay. quite a number of hundred milers, um, kind of like originating back from the East coast seemed like, and then did they move to Boulder? Was it this year? Yeah. I think it was earlier this yeah. year. Yeah. Cool. And I mean, I feel like that move to Boulder, I mean, speaking as a fellow Boulder, right. We yes. all share Boulder here. Yeah, like pilgrimage. it's such a like exciting like just an exciting place to like grow yeah. as an ultra runner. And I'm yes. excited to see that they're like in this nurturing environment to, you know, like continue that growth. Does yeah. Riley have a coach? I believe she's coached by David Roach. Cool. Yeah. So I had a couple other names written down here, just some other factors who are sort of probably flying under the radar, but interesting and should be competitive. Lindsay Dwyer from Marin County mm -hmm. recently won the Yeti 100 back in June. Uh, and, the, and she was, I think, fifth at the Canyons 100 in April. Selena Langner, I just saw for the first time at Mammoth Trail Fest, fifth place in the 50, or sorry, third place in the 50K there. And she at the finish line was like glowing about it. Like, I'm excited to go do 100 miles at Havelina. So, Sarah Beal, who won JFK last year. So fast. And broke Ellie Greenwood's course record. So fast. Yeah. Incredible. I'm yeah. curious yeah. to see how she does at this race. Like, yeah. 100 miles. Has she done 100 miles? Good question. I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. I, yeah, yeah. I, I wrote first 100 miler. Debut. Down, Super so. exciting. Yeah. Any, any other names that you guys want to mention? Any shout outs you want to give or any like maybe comments on the expected dynamic in the women's mm. race before we move on to the men? A couple other names. Like is I Heather had... Jackson going for it tomorrow? Mm. Well, I mean, we definitely saw that last year, right? <laughs> With like she... Didn't she like she led the first what three four laps or yeah. something yeah, before laps. before Devin ultimately passed? A lot. Yeah, I think yeah. I think she led through about eighty. Yeah. yeah. So I'm curious, like, if we'll see that same strategy, but with you know different kind of problem solving skills late in the race, or if we will see like a more conservative approach. I hope she goes for it again. I do Me too. too. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just think that changes the whole dynamic yeah. of the yeah. race, especially when people are here knowing like, okay, I need to be top two. Yeah. In order to get a ticket, if one person goes hot off the front, it puts pressure on everybody else. Yep. And then you see ripple effects and then you usually do see some attrition yeah. when that's the case, especially as the day heats up. Yeah. Any other yeah. names? I see. I guess I see. Um, I picture Heather and maybe Ragna like going mm -hmm. harder off the front early mm -hmm. with then like maybe a chase pack of like 
Riley, Shay, Tara, um, with maybe Riley being able to like bridge that gap into, or, or like pick up where, where that, those leaders are dropping off late in the race. Um, I picture Riley running a bit more evenly and, uh, methodically. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. And then I think a couple other names that I had on my list that we didn't mention yet were Nicole Monette. Um, who has run a super speedy hundred K hundred K world champs at like, you know, cranking off ran, ran a 734 hundred K. So certainly knows wow. how to click off the miles. Um, and you know, I think just in general, like we see a different set of names at this race than we do at like some of the mountainous ultras. And I guess like one thought in general I've been having about the race is that, you know, this is kind of like the biggest, um, uh, the the biggest race of this genre that we've got, I think mm, in yeah. the world, mm. like I can't think of a flat hundred miler that has a bigger pull and better mm. field than this. So it's pretty cool to just see like the, the corner of the sport that this race is carving out point. and just like the set of names that we see here really isn't overlapping hardly at all with people that we see trying to go for like UTMB or events. Point. That's one of the things I was going to say too, is like, aside from Ragna, we don't have really any European talent. We're like at Black Canyon, Tom Evans came over, Eden Nilsson came over. Mm -hmm. There was one or two others. Oh, uh, Jonas Kowalczyk came over. And of course the Europeans, most of the bigger name athletes you associate with mountain courses. So maybe not surprising that we're we're not seeing uh, more European exposure here at Havelina, but Yeah, it is. It is like, uh, to me, it feels like a race that's probably really difficult to get right Mm -hmm. because there's not a lot of variables. So it's like all about execution Mm -hmm. and pacing. But then when you, when you add in the complication of no shade and heat, (laughs) I don't know, it feels like the type of race where if you, if you thread the needle, you can really tee one up like Dakota did last year. But if any little thing goes wrong, those last couple laps could be a major suffer fest. Yeah. I think it's like, you know, because it's so even, like there's just, there's less margin of error, margin for error. Totally. Um, and so, you know, even things like, you know, crew pit stop time length starts to be a factor and just like every little second starts to add up versus like in a mountainous ultra where you're seeing bigger swings and splits or, you know, I felt good on the climb, but I picked up on the descent or found new legs here. Um, so So true. Yeah. And especially compared to like John and Dakota's race from last year. Like, I wonder how much of that might have been decided by crew, like so, decisions. Mm-hmm. So, talk about the crew experience here. Is mm-hmm. it that everybody sort of camps out at Havelina yeah. headquarters? Yeah. So they basically get crew every twenty miles. Yeah. Maybe paint the picture exactly. of what headquarters is like in the crew transition. Yeah. So um, I believe, like, I'm not sure of the cert- exact athlete logistics, but I believe you get like a tent spot assigned to you, or you can reserve one for like your crew to kind of set up at. So all of your stuff is kind of like static and there, like for most of the day, and then um, and you know people are often like sharing tent structures or things like that just to unite under the shade. But then I think runners are seeing two other aid stations per lap without crew um where yeah, they sometimes are. they can have drop they don't bags. go any longer than about six miles yeah that is nice yeah. yeah 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 so frequent opportunities for cooling for fluids um but then yeah crew is all centrally located all day so it's a pretty easy one-stop shop for crew yeah and you're gonna be doing it tomorrow we'll get to that That's here right. in a second but <laughs> one uh maybe a little teaser for our audience too I guess it's really only applicable to those who are going to be here. But I heard from Matt Feldick, who's, of course, the director of marketing at 
Havelina and who manages a lot of their live streaming logistics that there's going to be basically like a jumbotron at headquarters playing the live stream oh, all day. Sick. I love that. <laughs> Amazing. Perfect. Further enhancing the Burning Man vibe. So Which good. is so great because I feel like at some of these races, like I think even at Black Canyon in the spring, it's like we're all sitting there on our phones oh, watching totally. it. And then like the poor people that are like tracking race times and things can't get service because we're all just like hogging the service streaming the same video on 500 phones yes. <laughs> i'm so looking forward to it hopefully i can squeeze it around in the morning and then just hang out at headquarters and watch the jumbotron all day i love it it'll prick bar around that um crewing thing what do you guys think for like racers in terms of the shoe choice is it a road shoe or a trail shoe mm. decision i've run like a transition gravel shoe type thing yeah Yeah. i've run in both over there and been happy in both over there okay i think like probably some of it comes down to cushioning underfoot a little bit more and like what you're preferring over the course of 100 miles Mm -hmm. but in terms of like outsole i think you can get away with a lot there maybe we'll see some carbon out there some carbon fiber on the trail for sure for sure all the rage (laughs) all right let's talk about the men okay so tell me whether i'm right or wrong here again i like to think of things as favorites and then sort of like dark horses and i wrote down my three favorites being john ray again second place last year ryan montgomery who's been second place in the past and then i put i put down ryan miller Mm -hmm. um tell me why i'm wrong adam Cause Matt's my boy, dude. And I got him instead of Ryan Miller. No, but no, I mean, John Ray for sure. Guy's a stud, man. The way he trains, he is such, he's so good at racing. Yeah. He loves it. Like, yeah. I don't know. Super analytical, tactical racer. Do you know him well? Because he strikes me as like one of those silent assassins, you know, (laughs) I got to, I got to chat with him a little bit at at UTMB after his awesome CCC where he finished fourth, top American at CCC. But he was second here last year. He's done a lot of other like really impressive finishes, but he's not the type of guy who posts a lot on Instagram. You don't really hear a lot about John Ray, but yeah. he lives in the Boulder bubble. So. He does. He does. I feel like he and I are kind of kindred spirits in a way. We both have uh, like day jobs that make it kind of hard to line up. Yeah. He runs super early. He's in South Boulder. I'm in North Boulder. Yeah. So we don't get a chance to line up, but it's not for a lack of wanting to. He's a super nice guy. Um, I know he and Matt train a fair amount together, um, but he's fit, man. That's the thing. Every race he goes into, he's really fit. Um, I feel like, you know, he's trying to get back into States, um, after again, like underperforming his potential for sure, which he's done twice now. He's done twice. I'm sure he, I'm sure he really wants to tee up Western States. Like he, he's got the tools for that course in that race. And, you know, two years ago, I remember during the broadcast, Corinne and I were saying, watch out for John Ray. Cause he like, he was moving up. He like moved into the top five and then just kind of cracked on Cal street and suffered into like 11th similar thing happened this year suffered into 14th mm. so hopefully uh well I mean, for his sake uh he can put himself in position for a golden ticket again yeah, yeah. abby any Absolutely. more insights on john yeah um i guess um you know just like worth noting too like second fastest time here ever just uh seven yeah. minutes back from dakota last year Amazing. um and like i think they were you know maybe uh, i don't know quite the time split but similar at ccc like went three four at ccc yeah. yes, yes, so yes, yes. interesting that oh, they, yeah. they both kind of yeah shared a couple of recent racing experiences not too far from each other but yeah the top returner this year so sorry dakota was top american at ccc yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, abby it reminds me though this may be something interesting that you could talk about having done ccc and finished on the podium there mm-hmm. yourself a couple of times like looking at john's season 
you know, having the disappointment at Western States and then having a great one at CCC, it sort of feels like that is a good race and good timing between then and now yeah. to then, you know, recover from that 100K yep. performance and stimulus and then use it to sort of launch forward to a final end of year 100 miler. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I actually think that CCC uh, recovery has always gone pretty smooth for me and I think can like tee up runners pretty well in all honesty. Um, you know, like less damage in the legs to recover from compared to say like Western States where you're just like using, you know, more similar muscles all day. Um, but I think it's like a perfectly appropriate time gap between, you know, great performance at CCC and enough time to like turn around a good training block for, for the specificity required for Havelina. So I think it works. Yeah. You mentioned Ryan Montgomery as well. I'm very curious to see how he races tomorrow and what dynamic that brings out between someone like John, who's got experience on the course too, has run really fast, but Ryan's unburdened. Like he doesn't need a ticket, you know, the only person in the field who doesn't need a ticket. Yeah. So yeah. Does that freedom benefit performance or do you need that carrot to really dig as deep as you need to go? I definitely think he's going to send it for the first few loops. You know, Ryan's really interesting, man. He's the ultimate competitor he really believes in himself and he's really experienced too yes like he's he's maybe 30 years old he's yeah. run more 100 milers than i have i was gonna say maybe the most experienced 100 <laughs> yeah. miler in the field yeah right? absolutely yeah 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 very experienced um and like i think based on the type of races we've seen him successful at something like javelina is totally his sweet spot yeah, yeah. And remember but, was it two years ago he came out and did like a training block out here Oh, really? Did like four, three or four days, 25 miles a day. Really? So Super he's cool. got reps on the course too. Like, yeah. Super cool. Yeah. Well, you were second here that year. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Ryan Montgomery coming off an awesome seventh place at Western States. I know he was super proud of that one. And yeah, it'll be great to see him build on that at Western States in 2024. Um, but yeah, the only person in the field who's going to be competitive for the podium or for the win who doesn't have to think about the golden ticket conversation. I also mentioned Ryan Miller, yeah. the Texan, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Dude, coming Texan. here to Arizona. I love Ryan, too. Such a nice guy. Sweetie pie. Spent a couple of days with him in Bandera, mm-hmm. training for that a couple of years ago. He's an interesting story, right? Because a couple of years ago at Bandera, he came out of nowhere and won the race, got his golden ticket, suffered at Western States, DNF, <laughs> and he's been desperate to get back ever since. Yeah. I love that. And he's taken multiple swings. Like, he went to both canyons and Black Canyon. Yep. Mm-hmm. And he, he's come up short. He's come up short. Dude, he is a 214 guy. Yeah. He is so fast. Just Crazy. popped one off at the Kauai 50. Yeah. Beat Raj. Wow. Super fast. Again, it's like putting it together for 100 in the heat is no joke. You know? Yeah. He's got that, that Texas in him. Yeah. I'd love to see Ryan do well. Yeah. yeah. And he's already registered for both Havelina and Black Canyon, which... Again, I love to see it. Just yeah. like that, like we're doing this. Yes, yeah. Like, yeah. Book the hotels. No we're question what the goal is. Yeah. yeah. Maybe yeah. set up camp in Arizona yeah. for the next four months. Exactly. Father of two, also only 31 years old. You know, Shout the dads. Dad. Dad's in yeah. the audience yeah. here. I love that. He's got the gotta, dad strength. Gotta root for the dad. Dad oh, strength yeah. is never, a complete fabrication. We all know dad strength doesn't yeah. exist. Now, shout out Free Trail Fantasy, though. Let's squabble over our third pick. Because I picked Matt from in my yeah. top three, too. Yeah. And I feel mm-hmm. like runners at this race. On the at least on the men's side, like the leg speed thing mm-hmm. is like a component, right? You got to have yeah, like a yeah. requisite amount of leg speed. Matt Daniels, crazy leg speed. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Similar to Ryan Miller, you know, like a lot of road track experience. Um, Matt didn't have a great day here last year. Also very desperate to get back into Western States. And I think in terms of like pure talent and like 
running capability, he's right up there, if not at the top in this field for me. 100%. If at the start line tomorrow, um, yeah, tomorrow we saw like them say, hey, newsflash, we're going to change this into an all out 10K. We would see an incredible field because the, the collegiate and track background, especially with some of the men tomorrow is like top notch, world class. So yeah. Yeah, you've got, you know, people, people like Matt, people like Ryan Raff, super speedy. People like this guy with the last name Dragon. Yeah. You know that guy? No, I don't know. Dude, he's like a 28, 40, 10K guy. Yes. Freaking wow. crazy. I, I forget his first name. Maybe Zach Dragon. I'll Shout out Dragon. Great last name. Shout out Dragon. That. Yeah. But there's a ton of leg speed in this race, so... I got Matt in my top three too, rooting for him. So let's talk about Matt because he's a training buddy, a good friend of yours, and uh, a guy who I really, you know, think highly of. Also, and it feels to me like, yeah, it always comes down to the psychology with him. And he just suffered through a twenty-nine hour yeah. UTMB. Yes. And to me, it was like so good to see. Just like march it out, get it done, yes. put it on the board, yep. and then build from it. Yes. And like, I, I really wonder if just that proving to himself of like, you know, I'm just going to finish all my goals are out the window. I'm still getting to the finish line. Yes. Mm -hmm. If that in some way gives him a little bit extra strength and confidence going into tomorrow. I think that's something probably a lot of runners in the field can like, uh, empathize with or understand. Like I know for Matt, that was transformational. He texted me from Cormier. He's like, dude, I'm going to die in Italy in the middle of the night. You know, and it's like, (laughs) I think a lot of people go through that in a hundred, like right. Uh, Javelina tomorrow, there's going to be people who are like, cracking and just getting it done like I think it I think it changed something Matt so I'm rooting for him as someone who's I've marched out you know my my first couple hundred milers and I think that was like a a super formative thing um just super humbling you know and especially for for someone of Matt's talent level and just like you know work ethic when it comes to like his hard training his sub four minute mile right like I mean yeah his his uh potential is limitless so i think to see him like also experience the other end of things is like a cool maybe like new starting point for him yes. in his career it reminds me at gorge too this spring he won the 50k yeah. and he was 12 minutes back at like mile <sighs> 20 it's like something switch and yeah exactly uh, just a switch flipped he started racing like aggressive and angry almost running low fives at the end of the race he was flying yeah absolutely flying yeah so yeah it just i think is illustrative of the fact that like when his head game's there he's very hard to beat so and you're gonna be uh on the crew there tomorrow that's right man i'm gonna be out there vibes high maybe get to pace a little bit we'll see but uh a little bit you're saying 40 miles. A lot, yeah. Yeah, I, hope, I hope to get a good long run in, you know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I might have to throw together a quick costume. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. We'll see. But uh, who else is in your top five, man? Well, all right. So other names here. So yeah. I'll just tee up a bunch and then you guys can. Well, wait, can I share my, my, my t- yeah. other yeah, top just, third pick yeah, first? Pick. So before we go into those other names, I, I've got Preston Cates as my third. Oh. Um, and so, you know, he's a fellow Flagstaffer. I'm okay. super excited about confident. him. I like it. I like um, it. Making his 100 mile debut um, comes from a collegiate background. Um, but, you know, he's he's like a really interesting character in this field. I think his, his approach, his mindset is really interesting. He's someone who's very growth minded, has really, um, he's a, another, uh, born and raised in Boulder actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he, um, yeah, moved out to Flagstaff, uh, I think like around when Cordis and I did and, um, has just been enjoying making his home and, and like falling in love with the sport and growing a lot. 
Um, he came out here and I think it was September and did another era Vipe event that's here in course 75 K and he got the course record at he that. that. So yeah, yeah, he's super speedy. Um, yeah, another one of these like super fast collegiate background guys that I'm excited to see what he'll do in his hundred mile debut. And I think he's someone too, who like really, really empties himself out there. Um, he seems like a character. I yeah. don't know him well, but he, he seems like he's character. got charisma he and, like, and energy yeah. to yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. He's a fun guy. I, I ran into him, uh, at the gym in Flagstaff this week and he, uh, showed his costume with me which i was very excited to hear about so <laughs> yeah. you all have to tune into the live stream so you can get the the visuals yeah, yeah, on nice. not only his costume but his whole crew it sounds like they're all in on kind of one group costume yeah well that separates him from the field <laughs> that's dope um i got to do a group run with preston uh earlier this year in boulder he was out there uh he's he's great man he's yeah. fit fellow nike trail athlete so um I don't know, man. He's hungry. He hasn't done a hundred. Yeah. yeah. That's the only reason I didn't have him. He's higher. had kind of a sneaky good season. He was fourth he at way too cool. He was third at Lake Sonoma he where he yeah. got a qualifier for worlds. He yep. won that race. You mentioned here in Arizona, he won the Tamelta headlands mm. and Marin. So yeah, he's been solid and consistent all year. So yeah. just sort of building probably towards this crescendo at the end of the year. So yeah. I'm glad you brought him up. Yeah. Love to see him have a good one. Yeah. <laughs> few other names here i'll just toss them out we should probably start winding down so but a lot of other men that could compete tomorrow i just wrote down brett hornig who was fourth last year string beans in the yeah. field gosh always consistent string and strong yeah. blake slattengren who was second at gorge this year sort of a quiet pacific northwestern guy ryan's boy zach bitter zach yeah. bitter dude yeah stud stud so fast yeah you know have you like seen what he put out about the training he's done mm, leading up to it. this? No. So he put up like a graphic on Twitter with just like a summary of all his training in the last four weeks. It was like 522 miles, tons of like strength and mobility sessions, like the type of dude who just nails all the fundamentals mm -hmm. and does like big volume. And he's got tons of experience. Dude, yeah. that's scary yeah. because yeah. isn't he also coming off like a stress fracture? Yeah. So I feel like he could be super fresh yeah. and like wanting it, you yeah. know? Yeah, like a renewed, you know, yes. lease on the sport. Yes. So. Yeah. Damn. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he's in my top five on my For on sure. fantasy free trip, yeah. you know, okay. so. Yeah. For sure. Any and other things before we start winding down here? We've got like a good contingent also of kind of like some of the 200 mile folks, you know, Michael Vierstig and um, Jeff Garmeyer for the FKT. <laughs> They'll just be getting like, warmed up after the fifth lap. Exactly. I feel like he's going to have a good costume. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Garmeyer has done every Coca-Dona. And, and that's only like the tip of the iceberg that. for him. Like that. his yeah. list of FKTs is unbelievable. I mean, took took the JMT FKT from from String Bean yeah. like shortly after String Bean said it, I Mostly believe. Fun. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's it's fun. Like we've got people like coming from that super long background, from like a track background. I mean, it's like the kind of meeting grounds for all of these right. different so kinds fun of athletes. Right now. From triathlon, yeah, yeah it's so great. Good. And just to put a little more respect on Brett Hornig's name, I mean, he ran so well here last year. You know, for me, it's like he's right right there on yeah, the yeah. cusp you know so i'd, I I'd love to see him have a great yeah. day too yeah great yeah, guy absolutely too. all right so let's make our picks and we should say fantasy.freetrail.com yep get your picks in our great sponsor hoka has some great prizes on the line here head to toe kit for the best predictor tomorrow so head to toe you're gonna be looking like jim walmsley you're probably gonna win utmb <laughs> afterwards come with the bucket hat you know maybe we'll come with a bucket <laughs> hat we'll twist somebody's arm there at headquarters in santa barbara second and third place also gonna get uh fresh pair i think stinson seven hoka shoes so fantasy.freetrail.com get your picks in 
go top five. I don't have my top five up in front of me, but I did pick John Ray and Heather Jackson to win tomorrow's race. Who do you got? I have Riley winning, and I have Matt Daniels winning. Riley, Brady, Matt Daniels. The Boulder have, duo. Boulder Come duo. on, you homer. Hey, you, you homer. Know, hey. <laughs> I've got Ragna Devots winning and John Ray winning. John okay. Ray winning, yeah. Great. Are we safe in assuming course records are not going down tomorrow? Hmm. I mean, John was not far off from, from Dakota last well, isn't year. Isn't it going to be hotter this year? I think it's going to be about the same. Okay. I think last year was like low 80s, like high of low to mid 80s. And I think we're like similar to that yeah. tomorrow. So we should mention... Camille's time is an outlier. On that the is not going down. Yeah, yeah. Yep. That Money is safe. Because <laughs> yep. I think, what, Devin has the second fastest yeah, time? Like 30 minutes 30 minutes back? later, yeah. yeah. Who's Camille. also very fast. An you know, incredible so. athlete. Yeah. yeah. I don't think the women's course record is going down, but men's course record? Could happen. I, I think it could happen, man. Mm, MFers yeah. are hungry out here. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I think it could go down. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we'll see where Hal Kerner falls. Sweating out the uh, IPAs <laughs> from last night. <laughs> um, Abby, what are you going to be up to on the course tomorrow? Um, Cordis and I are crewing a group of four runners from uh, from from Boulder mostly. Um, and they're all friends that I think are kind of like stealthily entering this and didn't really tell anyone they're doing it. So okay. I won't mention who they are, but we'll be out there crewing, crewing a bunch of them. And then um, I'll be joining you on Sunday. Heck yes. Epic. Any closing comments from you, Mr. Mary? Um, no, I'll be out there as well. So come say hi if you see me. I've got my son and my wife out Aww. here. I think they both got a costume lined up too. Yes. But nah, man, it's exciting. <laughs> this is what it's all about. Big community gathering tomorrow. So I'm yes. looking forward to a day of racing. It'll be fun. Yeah. Great. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for joining. Super, super fun to break down all of the uh, drama here ahead of the race tomorrow. Remember to our viewing audience, watch the live stream tomorrow. We'll put a link in the description here on YouTube and in the podcast feed where you can find it over on the Mountain Outpost YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe to their channel. Make sure you subscribe to our channel. Please hit the subscribe button if you don't mind. Like Abby just said, we will back be back here on Sunday morning. We'll debrief all of what we witnessed out on the race course tomorrow. I know Ryan and I are going to look forward to having a good day out in the sunshine getting some miles, capturing some content, and generally soaking up the vibe of this classic North American 100-mile race. Again, we're going to hope to get some of the top performers in studio poolside with us yeah. <laughs> on Sunday, and maybe we'll be wearing costumes to wind down um, the weekend. But appreciate everybody for listening, for joining us. Abby Hall, Adam Mary, I'm Debo. See you on Sunday. Yay!